Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Every day, millions of people face traumatic changes to their health when everything familiar turns upside down. But if they could take better control of their situation by writing about their experience and communicating more effectively by expressing their feelings, well, that's exactly what today's guest did. We're joined today by David Tabatsky. He's recently put a book together called Write for Life, Communicating Your Way Through Cancer and Chronic Disease. He'll share with us why he put this book together and who he's hoping to reach with it. That's today on Connections. Today on Connections, we're joined by David Tabatsky. So you're a writer, a speaker, and a performing artist. Tell us more about who David Tabatsky is. Oh, gosh. Well, I think um, my performance work and in theater and circus arts that I did for many, many years um, throughout America and, and in, in Europe and, and other parts of the world kind of informed how I approach uh, storytelling and the books that I write and co-write and edit. So that whole experience really is always active, whether I'm on stage or not really is immaterial because th- the same kind of principles or the same um, approach it informs how I think a story can, can can work, or how you take a lot of information and distill it into a form that will resonate for readers emotionally and psychologically. Um, it's kind of the same thing if you take a big subject matter and you try and figure out how to transform that through a play. It's really only a change in the medium, but not necessarily in the intention or the passion uh, that you bring to it. So there are a lot of parallels um, in that regard. How did you get into writing? What sparked your interest in it? Well, I started writing probably most for for the kinds of theater I was doing, experimental theater and uh, new stuff, just original, you know, original pieces and um, also... Uh, in, in variety and surface arts that I was writing a lot of one-man shows and um, also uh, for other people, writing pieces. So that always was just, it, it was writing, but it was sort of really like, what, what does it take to create new work? And if it, whatever it is, whether it's writing or it's the physical uh, work that goes into rehearsal, uh, all, all those different things, it, it, it wasn't really... Uh, an intentional thing early on, like I want to be a writer per se. Uh, it was more like I, I wanted to to create works that are meaningful for people. Um, so writing was the toolkit that kind of needed to be developed, and it just sort of happened in a fairly natural way. Um, and now for the last, uh, I guess it's about 10, 12 years, um, the concentration has been largely on books. I mean, when my children were born, and it was pretty clear to me that um, my options for travel and doing tours or flying all over the place were changing, which was all fine. Uh, it, it was like, why do you have kids unless you want to be with them? <laughs> you know, so, uh, it wasn't really, wasn't really, a, it wasn't a difficult. Um, 
thing in that way. Maybe it's more difficult now that my kids are grown up and they're not home anymore is, is to realize that I actually have some new choices of my own to make about what I can do or what I want to do. So that actually is, is almost more challenging than it was uh, just to make the transition into becoming a parent. That really wasn't hard because I so embraced it. Um, so now I, I'm at this stage in my life and personally and professionally where I'm kind of redefining um, again, you know, the things that I want to do or what makes the most sense, what's, you know, what's the best use of time and energy. Um, and that's kind of led me to doing this work that I do in the cancer community, um, which is distilled in some way into this book, Right for Life, Communicating Your Way Through Cancer, which was the first edition, and now this new one, Right for Life, Communicating Your Way Through Cancer and Chronic Disease, which is an expanded version of that uh, first book. Um, now that cancer, in some ways, certain types of cancers are being literally treated as chronic diseases, uh, so with, with long-term treatment strategies, um, and so the mindset there is, is much different, and it's also to try to be more inclusive with other people's uh, predicaments, whatever kinds of uh, struggles that they're going with, because a lot of the principles, or almost, I basically could say pretty much all of them are the same. I mean, yes, there's particular side effects that chemotherapy has that that will affect you know, some, someone's well-being uh, in the midst of it and afterward that are different than someone who's taking medication for diabetes or Parkinson's or something like that. But we're, when you're talking about the world of side effects, there are many, many parallels. The, the specifics with the individual drugs are obviously different. The time frames are different. Um, but there are many, many overlaps. So it, it seemed to make a lot of sense to expand it. Um, to help the patients and the caregivers and the medical professionals who are dealing with any one diagnosis to give them an expanded toolkit or on how they can help communicate with each other and express their own um, individual experience going through this journey. So that's kind of been a natural evolution into, into these particular books. What do you find is the biggest barrier for um, people being able to communicate clearly maybe when they're in the midst of an illness, communicating with family or doctors or whatever it might be? Yeah, that's a primary question and a really good one. And I think the answer is fear. Oh, interesting. It's really, it's really pretty simple. When we get diagnosed with something, whether it's... Um, I mean, let's just look at a simple thing. You wake up in the morning and you're coughing and sneezing. You can do a self-diagnosis that you have a heavy cold. And then on a very, very low level, you're afraid. Oh, God, I'm afraid. Oh, will I be able to do my presentation at work today? Will I have to go sit on the back of the bus uh, on, on, on my commute so I don't sneeze on people? Will I, will I uh, look okay? Can I put my makeup on? Will it not get all puffy on my nose? And what if I drip a little blah, blah, blah on my shirt? And the, I, These are all very tiny, superficial things when you compare them to a cancer diagnosis, for example, or a diagnosis of diabetes or, 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 or any number of other diseases. But everybody deals with that. Everybody gets a cold. Everybody gets a stomach flu or some other type of flu. And they're scared 
for I use that word relatively speaking, of course, um, in in their own immediate world of whether it's the next few hours or the next few days, or in a more magnified way, will I even live that long? And how many years do, do does this uh, mean now that I'll have left? Um, how is this going to affect my family? So as soon as that happens, the fears just keep opening up more and more doors. And I think that could be paralyzing, and it can be also transforming. And we have to make a choice whether we're going to let that transform us in a good way or bad way, or probably the truth is somewhere in between. It's going to be a lot of the gray area in between where we're going to end up. Um, so I think first acknowledging these fears and then accepting them as a truth, whether you like it or not, they exist, and then how to manage them for yourself, in the communication with the primary people in your life, meaning your your, your life partner at home, whoever that may be, if you have one, um, you know whether it's, it's immediate family and then extended family, and obviously with your primary medical caretakers, what kind of relationship you initiate and um, perpetuate with your doctor and your medical team, because that has a whole lot to do with you know how you approach your care and your life in general. So I think a lot of it um, stems from fear, and that's usually overlooked or we go into denial or we want to pretend that it's not really there, and I think that we're missing the whole boat. We're, we're, we're just skirting around the core issue instead of, you know, taking it on straight up. Do you find writing helps combat fear then? and yeah, it can. It really does. I mean, there was back in 2008, there was a big study done that was published in The Oncologist, which is kind of the Bible of the, you know, cancer journal world. Okay. And this study was done at the Lombardi Cancer Center at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. And they had an art program there, and they were doing uh, experiments with people coming in and waiting in waiting rooms for chemo and, or in between dosage and things like that. And they found um, the distilled result of the, uh, of the testing was that 20 minutes of self-expressive writing were helping people physiologically that they were feeling more calm. It reduced their stress levels. It helped them, for example, address fear. Uh, and the anxieties that come with life-changing things like a cancer diagnosis, whether it's just the, the changes in daily life because of treatments and the side effects, and or what happens just in the general mentality that is not so identified with data and it can't be quantified, just the sense of identity. And this is something that I work on a lot and the workshops that I do is what happens now to your identity. We normally wake up in the morning, we identify ourselves as a human being, as a mother, as a father, as a brother, as a worker, as a creator, as a factory uh, assembly line person, uh, as a bus driver, whatever it might be, as a Democrat, as a Republican, all as a Christian, as a Jew, as a Muslim, whatever, all those different things that we identify ourselves with. And then suddenly 
in the cancer world, somebody says, oh, now I'm a cancer patient, or now I have cancer, whatever language you use, that gets into a whole other thing, is what language we choose to use has a lot to do with how we approach things. So words are powerful in, in, in that regard, too. Um, so to answer your question roundabout, because there's not, like, one simple, perfect answer to that, um, it, 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 it allows people to express themselves, and it gives them an expanded toolkit for communicating with the people that are most important. So that's what writing can do. Now, so you're saying everybody, they don't need to write a book, but some sort oh. of writing to get their feelings out, journaling or writing yeah, poetry? Yeah, journaling. It's some, sometimes it's just a to-do list. I mean, huh. we, we all live, we grew up with to-do lists, whether we saw them on the, on the refrigerator with our parents or, or, you know, our teachers had them or, you know, they're just a very common thing in our normal vocabulary. And so I look at the pragmatic use of writing in that regard, too. For example, one of the things I do early on in the workshop is I ask people, well, who, who writes down their questions before they go to the doctor? And I get a lot of blank looks. Huh. Some people's jaws drop, and that made my jaw drop. I'm like, really? Like, I and I kind of joke with people. I go, and I and I play 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 around with it, you know, because you want to have a. Little, it's really helpful to have a sense of humor with all this because it allows it all to be okay to discuss and play with, and and even make fun of ourselves a little bit for the things that we take for granted in our lives. Because I'm like. Common sense is like, really? You just got diagnosed with cancer. Your life has been turned upside down. You're going to go see your oncologist tomorrow, and you're not writing down the questions. You think you're going to have about 15 minutes with that person, and you think you're going to remember all the things that are going on inside your head emotionally, let alone questions about medication or treatment or side effects or what you're getting into or all that, and you're going to go in there and just got, and nail it? That's without true. any preparation and without any notation, wow, you must be like the most remarkable person <laughs> I have ever met in my life, capable of things that normal humans aren't. Um, and so I kind of, kind of blew it out of proportion there, and then people kind of get the point in a silly way. But it, it, it's like, wow, why would you not prepare, yeah. you, you know, for, for that very important meeting out of respect and also out of respect to yourself and respect to the doctor. You want to make that job as easy as you can for your doctor so that the doctor can see you so that you're not just a bunch of numbers and blood test results and pathology data. You're a full human being whose life is being drastically affected by this current situation you're in and how can you and the doctor create a partnership that's going to help you heal in the best most efficient way you can heal you mentioned uh to-do list earlier david my ultimate yeah. life hack for people sometimes when work and life is getting stressful and i'm overwhelmed i write a to-do list but it's things that i've already accomplished today and then i check them off and you yeah. seriously feel so much better though like look at oh everything God, i already did mark, that check mark that <laughs> visual thing is powerful right exactly. and if you and and you break your day down uh, whether it's the day or the week or the month, you break it down into uh, digestible bits. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of like dosing out medicine. You can't just give somebody a whole bottle of medicine and say, you figure out how much you should take every day. That's part of the medical team's work is to designate those doses. So 
I think we have to designate doses for ourselves, too, and writing can help us do that, even when it's just going back to the basic stuff we learned in high school about outlining. So you're sort of outlining stuff. A to-do list is sort of an outline for what you're going to try to accomplish on any given day. But I, I also look at it to ha- have people pull it back to a more ethereal to-do list. Like, you just got diagnosed with cancer what about your cousin or your brother who you haven't told yet? Maybe if you put that on your to-do list, mm. that will get equal importance to picking up the dry cleaning and a quart of milk and mowing the lawn. Um, can we can we maybe think about those deeper things that we also need to do on the to-do list? Because obviously there's a whole lot of reason to avoid things. But when we put it down on paper that might open us up to commit to doing it, and there's reason for that. So we have to figure out ways to help ourselves get there. So sometimes it's very pragmatic um, in that way. It's not about becoming a published author or, or you, you know, it's certainly not about getting a grade in your, from your teacher. Uh, there's none of those things. So I think a lot of sometimes people feel like, oh, I can't write. I'm not a writer. It's like, well, that's not what, that's not the point of this. We're not trying to, we're not trying to win any awards here. We're just trying to help you get through your day. <laughs> <laughs> For people who want to learn more about you and about your book, how do they go about doing that? Well, my website will have information for them, tabatsky.com. It's T-A-B-A-T-S-K-Y. And also they you know, can find uh, a lot of the different, almost all the books that I've, that I've done are, are there on the website. And those can lead you to other uh, supportive information and even to other organizations who I've been affiliated with either in the past or currently or in, 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 I will be um, that are also supportive of, of a lot of these um, different things. So there, there's, there's a lot of networks now available for people dealing with cancer and chronic disease that didn't exist um, a generation ago and there, there's more and more patient advocacy is, is, is growing and, and very necessary and, and you know uh, various patient and caregiver support groups and, and also networks for, for uh, working professionals for doctors and nurses for example um, to support them because their, their jobs are just crazy difficult um, so all, all of that is, is, is there and if people have particular things they can always contact me through my website that I try to, you know, either refer people to where I, I know that they can get help or, or if there's specific things that I might be able to, to do for them, that's always a possibility, too. Awesome. David, thanks so much. It's such a great, uh, helpful topic for people going through a variety of issues right now. Definitely a lot was learned today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Connections. Remember, you can listen to the full episodes on your radio station in the morning as well as the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.